0: Good morning and welcome to Calvary Baptist Church. My name is Allie, I'm one of the ministers here. Um, It's great to see all these happy faces this morning. Um, If you're new to Calvary and a guest with us today, um, this is our worship folder. You'll need this as we journey together this morning. And we'd also love it if you'd fill out one of these visitor slips so we can get some information from you and follow up with you. Um, But if you've been a part of Calvary for a while, a few weeks, whatever, we're glad that you're here today. Um, This morning we're going to talk about community. We're going to be led in worship by some of our children, and it will be a great day full of prayer and praising God. Join us now.
1: Lord, this morning we gather together in this place. We come before you to worship you, give thanks for the work you are doing in our lives, and learn how to better serve you. Lord, we give thanks that Calvary is a place where we can learn to be the body of Christ. Help us to know who it is you have called us to be. Help us to discern the special calling that you are giving each of us. Teach us how to trust and to respond to that call with the same words that were given to Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen.
2: A reading from the first book of Samuel. Now the boy Samuel was ministering
3: to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread.
2: At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lied down. The Lord called again, Samuel, Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy.
3: A reading from the first book to the Corinthians.
2: For just as the body is one with many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, And we were all made to drink of the same spirit.
3: Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be?
2: But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as God chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body.
3: The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you.
2: On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members that we think less honorable, we clothe with great honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need
3: this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another.
2: If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it.
3: This is the word of God for the people of God.
2: Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah.
4: of heaven and earth creator and sustainer of all we are told again today of your love and care for each of us and for all of us together may this day be a day of covenant for your people of deep remembrance of your love for all creatures of this world fill us with a sense of awe of your presence and your unimaginable care for each of us and for all of us together. God, who comforts those who bear long pain and sorrow, continue to teach us what it means to laugh with those who laugh and what it means to cry with those who cry. Make us instruments of your peace to each other and to the world. Help us as we learn what it means to care for each other in times of deep grief and in times of radiant joy. God of the golden sun and the silver moon, giver of light and guidance, give us discernment, we pray, so that we may be as wise as a serpent in the midst of a self-absorbed generation. But also give us the gentle spirit of Christ that the love of Jesus may show forth in our lives as we seek to walk worthy of you in the days that lie ahead. God of the sparrow and of the bear, God of the fierce fire and of the flowing waters, teach us what it means to live into your presence where there are two or three gathered in your name. Teach us a greater vocation. Teach us a more gentle care. Teach us a love that knows no bounds. Forgive us when we claim an old vocation, an old covenant, when we cling to our institutions more than we cling to you and to each other. Hold us in your love. Hold us in your peace. Amen.
5: Jennifer and I joined Calvary in November 2009, a few weeks after I passed the bar examination. Since that time, I've given legal advice to over 100 people, uh, dealing with situations that deal with their businesses, their families, their finances, and at times, their freedom. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to counsel and receive instruction, that you may be wise in your latter days. Often an attorney's counsel to their client is a hybrid of legal and practical advice that takes many factors into account. In complex situations, before giving counsel to others, I seek advice from people whose judgment I respect in order to make sure that I'm thinking things through correctly. Recently in my career, I reached a crossroads. As the son of an army chaplain, I attended five elementary schools, two middle schools, and four high schools across the United States and Germany. So in adulthood, my strongest desires have been for rootedness, belonging, and stability. I found myself here in Waco in private practice at a prominent local law firm, uh, enjoying material success, and thanks to Ken Suri, seeing my picture in the Waco Trib with some regularity. (laughs) While this did seem to be a good arrangement, I did feel something missing in my life. Speaking with a former professor of mine, I learned of a newly created job at Baylor Law School which involved mentoring students in pro bono service as we met the legal needs of local veterans. I'd been volunteering in this program for about three years while I was in private practice, so it was a cause that was very close to my heart. However, the position was both grant-funded and a step down in salary. At first, I didn't seriously consider the position for those very reasons, but after reflection and discussion with Jennifer, we weighed the merits and the risks of the opportunity. Also around this time, Robert and Eva Doyle joined our Sunday School class as our leaders of the class. Um, and we really didn't know what to make of this self-described mudmucker um, who spoke largely in swamp parables and Amazon tales, uh, and his brilliant and yet long-suffering wife, Eva. But they really grew on us with their joy, their humor, and their wisdom. Uh, in fact, as we were saying this morning in Sunday School, um, The formerly known as 30s class joined the formerly known 40s class to form the Adult All-Stars very recently this fall. And we have been uh, tremendously blessed with the life experience and the wisdom uh, from the members of the former 40s class, who we have noticed have been largely in their mid to late 50s. In fact, you know, when Jennifer and I, eight years ago, were looking for a Sunday school class and joined what was then called the 30s class, we never thought in our wildest dreams we would be celebrating the birthdays of two good friends of ours who are turning 60 uh, as we did last weekend. But, you know, as they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. But, One Sunday, Robert described to us a moment early in his and Eva's career uh, where they faced a major decision that uh, involved a lot of risk for both of them. And they both heard the call of God, but they were a little hesitant to take that leap of faith. They took the leap, and as Robert said, when God called, God provided. Just like our sermon last Sunday, I didn't have a burning bush moment in my life. at this moment in my life, Uh, but taking their counsel to heart, I too took a leap of faith, and not a day goes by that I don't thank God for that wisdom. Our grant funding has increased, uh, and from multiple sources, and we recently received a $2 million gift uh, for new facilities and new programming. But most importantly, we're serving more veterans than ever before, we've expanded our estate planning services to include first responders, and we now represent poor defendants in Waco Municipal Court. As I can testify, receiving good counsel from members of our Sunday School class has been a true blessing and an essential part of my process of discernment.
0: gracious God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing to you. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer, amen. It was six men of Indistan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant Though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant and, happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second, feeling of the tusk, cried, Oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp, to me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough that elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can, this marvel of an elephant is very like a fan the sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion exceedingly stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right, and all were in the wrong." Well, you may be familiar with this popular fable, which originated in India, but has since been used in a variety of ways worldwide. And one of the most popular versions is the poem I just read, written by John Godfrey Sachs in the 19th century. And in this poem, six men who are blind discover very different parts of an elephant leading them each to discern that an elephant must be like six very different things. And it's a pretty accurate picture of the ways in which our own limited perspectives can often impact our experiences of reality, especially when we don't listen to or take into account the perspectives of those around us. But we have been in a worship series on discernment here at Calvary. And last week we explored the ways in which discernment calls us to a lifetime of paying attention, of listening to God's still small voice. But this week, we also learned that discernment is not meant to be done in a vacuum or in isolation. Because left to our own devices, you and I are likely to become like the blind men in the story, each discerning in different ways but never quite seeing the whole. In today's text, in 1 Samuel 3, Samuel doesn't know how to discern this voice he's hearing in the night. In fact, when he hears this voice calling out his name, Samuel, he immediately gets out of bed, assuming that the voice must be coming from Eli, who was calling from him. And so Samuel runs to Eli's room and says, here I am, for you call to me. And Eli says to him, what are you talking about? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so Samuel goes back to bed, and just when he's gotten comfy and is about to fall asleep, he hears a voice call out again, Samuel. It meant I should have given you the microphone. And when it got time to say Samuel, you could say it for me with your deep voice because that would have been so much better. So maybe we'll do that next time. But God cries out Samuel. And so immediately he jumps out of bed and runs back down to Eli's room and says, Here I am. Surely you called me this time, didn't you? And Eli says, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, You must be having a crazy dream. Just go back to bed. And so Samuel goes back to bed for the second time, and he's in that space between thinking and dreaming when he starts to hear a voice say a third time, Samuel. And so obediently, he hops up out of bed for a third time, runs down to Eli's room and says, Here I am. I know you called my name this time. Except this time, Eli is able to discern what's really going on. Because Samuel doesn't recognize that it's the Lord who is calling his name. And so this time, Eli tells Samuel, go back to bed and lie down again. But if the Lord calls your name, this time say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel does. And the text says that the Lord comes and stands right beside him in the middle of the night to deliver a message to Samuel. You know, if he had been left on his own, I don't know that Samuel would have discovered what this voice in the night was, much less been able to respond to it. He was young and experienced. Verse seven tells us that Samuel did not yet know the Lord, let alone know how to recognize God's voice. Samuel only knew part of what was going on, but he needed Eli to help him to discern what else was happening and how he might respond. And the thing is, situations like this aren't unique to Samuel, because all of us, like Samuel, have blind spots, don't we? Even when we don't recognize that we have them. In fact, that's, that's kind of the point of blind spots. We are blind to them, completely unaware that they are even there. Now, we can often easily identify and point out other people's blind spots. Those are easy to see sometimes, aren't they? But it's so much harder to see our own, even when they are right there in front of us. Well, in the 1990s, two psychologists at Harvard had an idea for an experiment to test how the brain processes visual information. And so they asked people to watch a 60-second video of people passing a basketball. How many of y'all have seen this video or know it? Okay, handful, awesome. And their task was quite simple. They were instructed to count the number of times that the ball is passed from person to person. And so the, vi- the viewers watch the video intently, trying to count the number of times the ball is thrown. But what they are not told is that during the video, a woman in this full-body gorilla suit is going to walk into the center of the frame, pound her chest like a gorilla, and then walk off. And so this video is shown all across the world, and the results were the same no matter where it was shown. Half the people did not see the gorilla, even when they are staring right at the screen. Now, some people who didn't see the gorilla actually protested. They said this video had to have been rigged because there's no way that I can miss something that obvious right in front of me. They thought, this is rigged, and we have been shown two different videos. And then the people who did see the gorilla were floored because they said, how could so many people miss something that happened right in front of their eyes, especially when our instructions were to watch this video so intently? Well, the video became famous. I checked it last night and it has over 18 million views on YouTube and the experiment would go on to be picked up by media outlets all around the world. The result, was that the researchers coined this term, inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness, the failure to see something conspicuous when focusing your attention on something else. Now, if you haven't met Chad Eggleston, I hope you will get to know him and his family, because this fall, Chad's wife Mandy bought him this full body Chewbacca costume which he thoroughly enjoyed wearing all day on Halloween, even while teaching his classes and walking across campus. And ever since he got it, Chad has been telling me, you know, when you are ready for me to wear Chewbacca to worship, I will be there for you. I will be ready to go. And so for a moment, I considered asking Chad, you know, what if he just popped out today during the middle of the sermon and beat his chest and then just walked away? But then I thought, well, you know, if the study were correct, you all would be so intently focusing on the sermon (laughs) that due to inattentional blindness, at least half of y'all wouldn't even see him. And so I thought that would be really disappointing for Chad. So maybe we could find another way to work that in one week. So while it's a fascinating and it's a funny study, It speaks to these blind spots that we all have in our everyday lives. Except that while only 50% of the people had a blind spot in this gorilla study, there's not a single person in this room who doesn't have some kind of blind spot because of our own unique life situation and our own vantage points. The Apostle Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians, reminding us that we see things through a poor reflection, as if we are looking through a clouded, foggy mirror. You and I only know things in part. And part of the journey of discernment calls us into community with one another, that we might be able to see more clearly these things that we would miss entirely if we were trying to discern them on our own. That's actually one of the reasons we use the Enneagram here at Calvary. And maybe you've heard people talk about the Enneagram, but you're not sure what it's all about. Well, the Enneagram is is based on an ancient Christian practice that has been passed down through centuries. And in the Enneagram, we each come to identify with one of nine numbers that represent nine different motivations or ways of seeing and being in the world. But what's unique is that the Enneagram also represents nine different blind spots, these things that we do that we're not always aware of, that ultimately lead us away from being the people God is calling us to be. Now, the Enneagram is a tool for spiritual formation, and just like any tool, it has its limitations as well, and it may not be the tool for everyone. But it has given us a helpful language to name our blind spots and to develop greater self-awareness and to daily choose in so many different ways not to live out of our blind spots, but instead to live into our identities as God is calling us to be. It's hard work and it's transformative work. And I know if you would like to learn more about the Enneagram or to join our ever-growing Wednesday night group, Megan Becker over there would love to talk to you today. But while it might feel vulnerable and scary, I do believe that one of the most significant steps that you and I can take in a journey of discernment is to ask a trusted friend or mentor, what are my blind spots in this situation? Can you help me to see what I'm not seeing here on my own? And the reality is that talking about our blind spots and inviting a few trusted people into these kinds of conversations with us, it's hard work. It would be simpler, easier, and probably much tidier and more organized to just do the work of discernment on our own. But a simple, tidy, individualized life is not the life that Jesus calls us toward. Because following in the way of Jesus always leads us into this beautiful mess of community. Parker Palmer calls this kind of community our circles of trust. And he says that they are based on two main beliefs. He says, first, we all have an inner teacher or a soul through which God speaks to us. And second, he says, is that we all need other people to invite, amplify, and help us to discern our soul's voice. After all, he says, the journey of discernment is too taxing to be made solo. Lacking support, the solitary traveler soon becomes weary or fearful and is likely to quit the road. The path is too deeply hidden to be traveled without company, Finding our way involves clues that are subtle and sometimes misleading, requiring the kind of discernment that can only happen in dialogue. And the destination is often too daunting to be achieved alone. We need community to find the courage to venture into alien lands to which God may call us. I wondered if Josh would have had the courage to make that big step had he not been in community with Robert and Eva, had he not heard God's voice through them. So perhaps the question to ask ourselves is, who is in our circle of trust? I was grateful to spend a few days this week at a monastery in Coleman, Alabama, with a cohort of other women who have all been called as pastors of Baptist churches over the past year. And I can already tell that this small but mighty group of women is becoming a circle of trust for me. For some of us, our circle of trust may be a few people in our Sunday school class, like Josh mentioned. Maybe it's a small group we have formed here at Calvary, like the ones we will be forming this spring. Maybe in our circle of trust is a counselor or coach or spiritual director, maybe a spouse or significant friend or group of friends. I can't tell you who should be in your circle, that's for you to discern. But I can tell you this, it's not often the people that we suspect And we shouldn't be surprised when people we least expect are the ones who actually help us to discern God's voice most clearly. Verse two of today's text tells us that Eli is actually going blind. It says his eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see. And isn't it ironic that it's actually Eli who is losing his sight yet helps Samuel to see more clearly in this situation. And yet just verses later, it is young Samuel, the inexperienced one who does not yet know the Lord, who passes along to Eli the message that God brings. You see, they each had something to offer the other, Samuel and Eli. One was old and one was young. One was failing in sight and one could see quite well. One had a life full of experiences and was considered to be wise. The other was just starting out on his journey and was considered to be naive. One had to deliver a challenging word from God and offered it courageously. The other received a challenging word from God and accepted it faithfully. Yet they both needed each other. They both helped the other to discern God's voice more clearly. And I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot like what the church is called to be. This community of people who seek to learn from, give to, and receive from one another by God's grace. And so Calvary, may we be so courageous as to invite one another into our journeys of discernment. May we learn when God is challenging us to speak and when God is inviting us to be still and to listen. May we continue to discover our blind spots with humility that together we might see more clearly the lives God is calling us to lead. And in so doing, may we continually become the church God is calling us to be in this place as we seek to learn from, give to, and receive from one another by God's grace. And so God, in our journeys with discernment, I pray that you would put people on our minds and hearts who can be in our circles of trust. And I pray that you would put people on our minds and hearts who are the very least expected that through them we might hear your voice more clearly. God, we thank you for the gift of community. And yes, it's hard and messy and difficult, but I can't imagine trying to discern and navigate all of the complex ways of this world on our own. God, you have given us gifts in one another. Help us learn to lean on one another, and to know when we need to be leaned upon, too, in these beautiful give-and-take relationships. And we learned them because we followed in the way of Jesus. And we watched how he continually brought people together, brought people together to the table. God, may we go and do likewise. Amen. Well, you may be here today feeling as if you've been hearing this voice from God calling you to follow him. Maybe it's a voice in the night like Samuel, or maybe it's the still small voice like we talked about last week. And an important part of discernment is listening, but that listening ultimately calls us to respond in some way. And so if you would like to talk with someone more about what it means to follow in the way of Jesus, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary today or maybe you've been hearing for some time that God is inviting you to join this community of faith at Calvary where we seek to follow Christ together in this place we would love to welcome you into our church family today and so however God leads you to respond our ministers will be in the back ready to visit with you and to pray with you as we continue in worship. is with us, Christ is among us, and the Holy Spirit is upon us. And so today we come giving thanks to the God who meets us here, here at this table, here among this community, and here in this place.
1: Most holy God, in your image you created us, in your mercy you forgive us, and in your love you claim us as your own.
0: Thank you, God. To this community, you gather us. To this table, you invite us. To this feast, you summon us. Thank you, God.
1: Through the life of Jesus, you teach us. Through the power of his resurrection, you guide us. And through the spirit, you inspire us. Thank you, God.
0: With the body of Christ broken for us, you nourish us. With the blood of Christ shed for us, you sustain us. Thank you, God.
1: So we may fulfill the callings you have placed in our lives. You equip us and empower us so that the world may know your love you send us. Thank you, God.
0: So today we come to the table. To remember again how the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, Take this and eat. This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
1: And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns.
0: And so by taking this bread and this cup, may we be united as Christ's body. And by sharing them with one another, may we be prepared to share God's love with each other and with the world. Friends, you are invited to come to the table. Well, we are glad to have so many newcomers among us today. And if you are new to Calvary, we really hope that you will stick around for a few minutes after worship. We would love to to greet you and to get to know you better. Also, I wanna draw everyone's attention to two mission trips that are coming up pretty soon. Um, David and Elaine Norris just this week went to Edinburgh, Texas, to prepare for our spring break mission trip. And as you are making plans for spring break, we would love for you to consider joining us in our work there. Elaine, would you raise your hand so that everybody can see you? And also, oh, I understand. I'm, I don't think y'all can see me right now, actually, actually. <laughs> And then Dennis and Agnes Tang are preparing to take a new team to China this summer and actually have established some new relationships and are hoping to do English camp in western China this year. And they are having a meeting after church today in the library. Are Dennis and Agnes back there? Oh, oh, yeah, there we go. (laughs) Dennis, that's totally what I should do. I should stand on the pew at the end of worship. That might be dangerous, or I could stand up there. That would be smarter. The last thing is that um, we are beginning sign-ups for our spring small groups, and we've been talking a lot this morning about discernment. This is a great opportunity to be in close community with people for several weeks and to have some conversations about how God is leading you in your life. Um, Those groups will be starting two weeks from today, on February 11th. Um, And there are sign-ups in the hallway on the left-hand wall as you are walking out to the Welcome Center. So I hope you will stop and take a look at those groups. If you are hosting or leading a group, would you raise your hand? Because we have quite a few people around Calvary who are part of that, and we are grateful for the work that you are doing to prepare for that time together. Well, friends, would you enjoy me in this benediction? May the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces, walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with you always. Amen.
5: Go now in peace.